Are you crystal clear on your purpose in life? Welcome to the Behind the Billboard podcast, a living, breathing, interactive conversation about getting better as a leader, a team, and as a person. We believe that success is all about people, and we're on a mission to help you grow. Here's your host, Chris Lindahl. We have a special treat for you. Recently, I flew out to Denver to interview one of my great friends who's had a huge impact on my life. His name is Darren Dawson. He's the president and co-founder of BombBomb. BombBomb is an incredible company that's doing really phenomenal things. Their goal is to rehumanize the planet. Sounds lofty, doesn't it? If anyone can do it, it's BombBomb. Their culture is incredible. Their core values make perfect sense. And their purpose is crystal clear. I love BombBomb. I love being around their organization. I love being around their people. It's just a great place to be. So I hope you find as much value in this interview as I did. Enjoy. Darren, welcome to our podcast. And I think that listeners are going to really benefit from hearing your story and, and about your company and what you've built because it's unbelievable. So take me back to like the beginning because I think too often in, in life, we're always focused on like what people look like today and like what, you know, you think about a marathon and we're, we're always looking at like how someone finished in their time. And we don't look at like the starting block or, sure. or like how they got prepared on how to, to become a marathon runner. And so take me back to like Michigan days, like way back, oh, wow. like way, how, back. way okay. back, how it started. <clears throat> yeah. It's interesting. Uh, my, so my co-founder and I, his name's Connor. Uh, we both grew up in a small town. Uh, it's called Jackson, Michigan. It's not, it's not terribly small, but small, like 60,000 folks maybe. And, um, but it was a blue collar town, right? I grew up on a hundred acre farm. I was working on a farm when I was young, um, bailing hay and we had like five acres of grass to mow. It's like the Midwest kind of, it's, it's, um, people are hardworking they do what they say they're going to do. And, um, I think that those values really formed both of us into preparing us for what was happening and or what was going to happen. It's crazy. That town. I love the people in that town. I think I feel like everyone from that town is like a salesperson. They're super personable. Yeah. Not unlike I've been to Blaine. Right. Everybody, you know, you walk in, everybody, you know, you can know people quickly. That's how we hit it off really fast. And, For sure. And um, it's, they're just good folks and uh, they work hard and I'm proud to be from there. Um, moved moved here to Colorado when I was um, 21 years old. What led you to move to Colorado? This is a... <laughs> This is a great story, actually. Um, I moved here for a girl. Um, when I think back about it, it's funny. I, I This is the way I tell the story now, that uh, she was going to the Air Force Academy. And I hope she hears this podcast. This would be great. Alicia, you're awesome. Um, I moved here, and um, I didn't know there was like 4,000 dudes and like two women, basically. I'm exaggerating, but there's like hardly any women there. And so it just didn't work out. And you know, I look back on that, and like, it makes sense. Um, I, that makes sense to me, but I'm, I was glad to be here. It was great to get to Colorado. I moved here with one of my best friends too. And, um, so ended up just staying, even though that relationship didn't work out, still call her a great friend or her, her, um, brother was my best man in my wedding as an example. So it's like, that's just, again, where I'm from. That's where she was from. Yeah. That's where we're from. It's like that. It's hard to describe, but yeah, moved out here, stayed out here, been here 23 years in Colorado. So yeah, we're in the Colorado studio today. Yeah, right? like Chris came out from Minneapolis. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I we met at the airport. I came from San Francisco. Chris came from Minneapolis to be in Colorado for a night. So it's a lot of fun. But yeah, I love Colorado. Been here twenty three years. You know, um, when I moved here, I started a painting business. That's part of Connor and I's story too. We both um, started a painting business. It's called Pinnacle Service Group, and we learned about painting. We, what we really learned about was about selling. And this was like in the nineties. So 90 moved here in 95, so maybe 97 to 2001, we were painting houses, painting apartment buildings and stuff. But we realized we were really good at you know, like talking to folks <laughs> and uh, getting them to convincing them that they should do things with us, which led to accruing sales. And, um, you know, I, I worked for a marketing firm for a while. And I was, I really feel that this was again, very uh, critical thing that happened for me, you know, maybe the most than, growing up in a hardworking place where I learned a work ethic was I was in the right place, at the right time with a marketing firm that was doing, you know, they called it new media back then, digital marketing, email marketing, and, you know, pay-per-click marketing. But back then, I mean, it was 
before Google really, like Yahoo was the thing and MySpace and AOL, <laughs> AOL, right? Like exactly. And everyone opened every email, right? And, oh yeah. Um, so we learned a lot about that. And, and so that's where kind of bomb bomb was born there. Um, we had created a product that followed up with people that visit apartment communities and, uh, Connor was like, dude, it would be way better if there were video in that email. Like, yeah. And what, and, and what year is this? Just so context for people I listening. Like, I mean, the idea that video would be better, I think really 2005, I, the paint company incredible. shut down. So we went to this marketing firm and then, and then Connor was selling billboards for Lamar outdoor advertising. I was <laughs> working this marketing firm and, um, you know, he's like, video would be better. It would be better if we had a video in this. And that was like, crazy talk then yeah, it really was then. like yeah. and you know connor really cobbled together this idea and and i think posted a video on a server in a closet <laughs> of him talking about billboards and then sent it to all his customers and everyone loved it but they were more interested like what business like company did you use to do what you did there i mean it was like a link to a video but you got you know in 2005 there wasn't a camera in the iphone we're using Flip cams and flip phones and yeah. Right. I mean, so, razors. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe that'd be maybe. like crazy yeah. then. Right. <laughs> Razor. Um, you know, most people are still rocking a, a flip phone. So anyway, yeah. So that's, how, and then I remember him being like, we're going to use the bomb bomb. Your, we, we'd buy URLs. That was a thing back then too. Like people wanted to buy. I think it's still a thing for most entrepreneurs. <laughs> you know, it's buying your, yeah, you, <laughs> right. Exactly. When we were buying like URLs like crazy back then. And, and then um, he wanted to buy bomb.com. Like you're the bomb.com, like bomb.com, but it was taken. Yeah. Yeah. And we had no money. They've offered to sell that to us now, but bomb bomb, he bought bomb bomb.com. And he was like, we're going to use the bomb one for this. This is, you know, and I'm like, we're, we're doing this, right. We're going to build this business together. And uh, we did. So, but we didn't know anything about no <laughs> developing software. Okay. And so <laughs> I think this is an interesting thing. Like back then there wasn't, there's like a startup culture now. Yeah. There's incubators. Yeah. It's like, like super cool to, yeah, to it's do cool this. Yeah. Right? have I mean, your startup around it. Yeah. yeah. We were just entrepreneurial. We just thought it'd be cool and better to send a video than a text email. We had no way of getting that done. And, you know, we're in Colorado Springs. It's not like Silicon Valley. So we we um, had to figure that out. We met our other co-founder, Kevin Dibble, great guy. He was um, had just sold his company and was getting an art history degree in Colorado Springs. Connor <laughs> befriended him and convinced him to help us figure out. He had run like 100 developers. So he convinced um, Kevin to help us build this technology of ours. So. I don't know. It's just so crazy. I think all along the way, I don't believe things happen by accident. And I'm not, I mean, I'm a, I'm a faith-based guy. So I just see divine intervention. All, I can tell you all along the way, we've been given these right people at the right time. And I can tell you story after story about that. But so yeah, Kevin rolled in and did that, helped us out. And um, we started rolling. And now um, we didn't, I think we operate out of Connor's. I kept my day job. I actually ended up working at an NBC affiliate. <laughs> uh, Connor quit his job quickly. I mean, I was like, he dumped, he, he, he dove in to the deep end of the ocean, just started swimming. I'm like, ah, I just got married. Um, trying to have a family. So I'm going to keep my day job, but I did for a while. And, uh, we figured out how to, I think make software, which is a big deal. Um, yeah, with no software background. Yeah. Convinced, you know, eight of my buddies, including, so all of us put our own money into this, eight of my buddies. And, uh, that's how we started. And I think I love that story because it's different now. And people, when I tell people that sort of like, like you never took venture capital. I'm like, no, I didn't. Yeah. And it's, it's weird to them. And I like that. I like being weird. Yeah. I, 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 you know, that's why I was so excited to have you on. Cause your story is so unique. And we were just talking about this before we on the podcast. I'm like, there are so many different ways that you can decide on how to scale a business. Yeah. You can take on a lot yeah. of money. You can, I mean, you can sell equity. I mean, there's so many sure. different ways. And, and I love the like bootstrap approach. I mean, yeah. I we mean, take bootstrap a new level, man. Like, <laughs> right. I think they call us cockroaches in Silicon Valley. Like, there was like an article I read one time. It was like, there's unicorns and cockroaches. Cockroaches like grow organically and just like hustle. And, and that's what we did. We just did that. And, you know, Connor drove a Honda Civic for 12 years. I drove a, a Camry. I just think 
We didn't need that was the Michigan thing. You just didn't need no. to make we didn't no. need to make a ton of money. Yeah. We weren't living in San Francisco or New York. We're living in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And so and we lived below our means. Yeah. Okay. Well, like we we just took care of it that way. We were raised that way. So we that's how we did it. And uh that's I, I don't think we would have made it if no. we wouldn't have done that. No, you know, and it's it's interesting you say that because there's so many, you know, businesses and business leaders that I've seen that that really aren't that humble and they get a little bit of success and especially coming from an environment where you did and, and where I came from and they get some success and all of a sudden they're like this rock star. Yeah. And you watch, you know, you watch the social media, the vehicles, <laughs> the planes, the jets, they're like, yeah. this is what entrepreneurship looks like. Yeah. And, and so it, it become it, it can become a pose. Yes. I, I mean, look, if you got it, great. But yep. if you don't like, don't spend money you don't have no. just like a thing I was raised with. For, right. For like, sure. And so um, we tried not to do that. And I wasn't always great at that. But I think we I grew up while – I mean I was probably 31 when we started finally doing this. So I got some of that crazy out of me. And the, when we ran the painting business, it was not this way. We were not as frugal. I think that <laughs> – you know, yeah. honestly, that was a failure for us. So I think we learned from that and that informed us making better decisions later. I, I love that. I love you. you. You said that, you know, the failure you learned from. And in, in our organization, we always talk about every time that it fails, like a learning opportunity, you know, yeah. it's – you're not failing. Like yeah. we do, uh, we get to, every morning at our company, we do a stand up, and everybody in the business does, stands up and we we ask a few questions. We ask, you know, do you need help today? You know, it's just, are you stuck? You know, I love that, right? And, yeah, and then, that. then we go through our KPIs, like our key performance indicators about what whatever their deliverables are, and then we we talk about what are you going to do today? And it's, it's a form of accountability. But the where are you stuck or do you need help is about this where. Cause I want to find failure. Cause I do find that when, if you're not stuck, I probably got a real problem. If you're not feeling you yeah, haven't right. failed or I'm all good. Like we're just not being honest. That's right. Right. Like if we're honest about that, we're feeling a lot. We need help. We need each other to pull us through. So the entire company does that. And I love it. I love finding, uh, yeah. because I, it's all I know It's like, yeah. I failed at some stuff. I've wanted some stuff, but I mean, you got to fail to learn for sure. And, yeah. and, and with the, you know, when you're talking about failures, I think where listeners could really get a benefit is like back to like the early days of like, you mentioned you brought, you know, you brought on your, your, the additional partner and, and you're starting out and you know, what are, what are the challenges that are happening early on? Like that are like, I mean, obviously you've got software challenges. I mean, especially in that, in those years <laughs> yeah. and you know, what things are happening and, and, and also as these challenges are happening, like what is the state of mind of you and, and your partners? It's day by day, man. It's so at the day, beginning, yeah. like the beginning yeah, of Bomb just, Bomb, like what happened? Like what, like what were like, if you look back to like the major roadblocks where it's like, ah, that pivotal moment where I don't know if this is going to work. <laughs> I like, quit, <laughs> so I quit my job in 2011. Yeah. I just had, we had, uh, you know, I have a, a son who's now nine and, and twin girls who are seven. The, the twins were just born. So Angie and I have these twins and I oh, quit yeah. my job. Yeah. And uh, Great timing. I had a good job, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. And Connor finally convinced me, you know, I need you. Now is the time. So, so we did that. And, um, I remember just right out the gate, we were trying to find what market we'd go after. We yeah. didn't know. I mean, I think finding who your customer is again, I think there's a lot more help than there was. Then. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Today, like what's your addressable market? That's one of the things that a business advisor would have asked me back then if I was an incubator. Did, did you or even have business advisors? No, well, I did. I had friends. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah. No, not they were selling software. That was yeah. like, you probably didn't have a budget for any sort of. Yeah, no, we had money and we were burning through it daily, right? Yeah. So we we're trying to figure out where, who would buy this. And we, we kind of started in a nonprofit space. We still have thousands of nonprofit, great customers, love nonprofit users. Uh, it's a great use case video for, you know, raising money and stuff like that. But they take a long time to make a decision. They yeah. just do. And so that wasn't working for us because, you know, we were, we had raised money from our friends, but it was our money. And so we're kind of going through it quick. So uh, I remember that we kind of, we're getting a lot of real estate leads all of a sudden, miraculously. Yeah. Okay. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I remember one of their sales folks being like, hey, we're getting a ton of these um, real estate leads. I'm like, well, where are they coming from? I'm like, there's this guy, he's got this blog. It's called Tech Savvy Agent. And, and he wrote a blog post about us. And so we're getting these real estate leads. So I call him up. His name's Steve Pastinelli. And fast forward, just to let you guys know that Steve is now our CMO it's of so the amazing. business. I know, so right? Amazing. Like, like, it's like, just, great story. That's what I mean. Like, it, it's just that stuff, you guys. Okay, look, I, I don't know. Universe for me, it's it. God intervened in our business, yeah. dude, like a lot. And so, and this is another one of those spots. So I come in, and I call Steve. And, hey, man, 
I'm like, where do I send the check? Like, who are you? Right? Like, this is amazing. So Steve goes, um, well, you know, you should be in real estate. And I'm like, okay, I haven't even thought of it really. He goes, yeah, and you should go to this event. It's called Family Reunion at Keller Williams, which is actually where Chris and I met. Yeah, the first time. Yeah. A long time ago. But, um, you know, so I go out there, meet Steve. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is a big deal. This guy's an executive. He was working for this company called Move, which, and Realtor.com, which you, most people probably know what that brand is. Great dude. Ended up meeting him and um, I'd take him to this expensive dinner, which was more money we had. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that. like, you know, because this guy's a big deal. And they, I remember him being like, you just want to go get a beer. I'm like, <laughs> he's like us. Like, this is great. And so, you know, being this great guy for us. And he was a great advocate. And now he's our CMO. And we, Connor and I eventually were like, we need to get Steve on board. So we convinced him. Flew him to Colorado, him and his wife together. I think, that was a big deal. Like I knew with Steve that this was a family decision and that's the kind of people we want yeah, to bomb bomb. That's how sure. we think about it. Like it's a family. Mm-hmm. And so we flew him and his wife Gretchen out and we had a great time meeting both of them with our wives and um, convinced him to leave his very well paid, taken care of yeah. job to come to the startup in Colorado. And he got to stay in Philadelphia. He still lives in Philadelphia, but it was, so that's just one. It, little, I don't know. It kind of it, spun it, away there, but yeah, that was a big, big pivotal moment. So you go then you got into the real estate space. From Steve. Yeah, we get into real estate. We start doing these shows. And so that kind of solved our cash problem yeah. because I love Gary Vee, what he says about cash is oxygen to a small business. For sure. So I won't steal that quote. So I love that quote. Cash yeah. is oxygen. It's amazing. So true. And um, we needed cash in the business. I remember being like, you know, we got to figure this out. We spent a lot of money to go to this trade show. So we sold uh, our accounts. We were going to try and sell them the year up front, which is a big deal. Um, and we did. And so we sold like 300 accounts in, in, in a day and a half. Wow. And we made like $40,000 in cash. Wow. Which is like, yeah. whoa, okay. Yeah. We can, we can do this. Before like that show, like how long did it take you to get that much cash? Like begging friends for that. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like we, selling, the, selling. No way. Yeah. Right. That was so, it. That was, might so, as well have been a million dollars. Right. That's right. Yeah. In that, that short point. amount of time. Like, yeah. It was crazy. So we just started, okay, well, what other companies are like this? Yeah. And we got to Remax, who is yeah. in Denver here, and, and arguably now our largest customer because of we're so close to amazing th- company that company, too, yeah. yeah. And um, right, and um, Keller Williams, and then we just started doing more trade shows with realtors and selling, and and it turned out to be very good. What I would call now a solopreneur product, yeah. And there's a lot of products out there that I think looking at, and that's a hard way to go. We call it blocking, tackling, or ground you know, hand-to-hand combat selling individuals. It's so funny when, when you say hand-to-hand combat. So I've, I've been to your booths and I, and I was there early on when you were were at Keller. You gave us a lot of uh, suggestions on it. And then, uh, that was like, literally like, those are like the, the early days of, of you and I, uh, building our friendship, but watching you and I, I wouldn't change that for anything that I've lived in my life (laughs) because you. you literally went from early morning till it was yeah. closed to throwing a party at night for agents, Gosh. brokers, and teams and doing the same thing the next day. Like just to, ex- I mean, it I was, mean, you had soldiers in that booth that nonstop worked. Like it was, and, uh, that's the Midwest hustle right? again. Yeah. And you like, outwork, I mean, I, and I think about like, I can't even name another booth that was at that event that even struck me as having like a work ethic, even somewhat thanks, close to what that was. And, and like, that's where, like, I. That's why I'm so interested in in your story because I've got to watch it and I wanted to the listeners to sort of experience and hear it because there was a ton of hard work. Like, yeah. my favorite quote is the you know the hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work. And I've watched <laughs> so many talented people that aren't mm. willing to do the hard work that you guys did, and and you obviously had some amazing people along the way that that helped yeah. man that booth and 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 build Bomb Bomb. But it was incredible to watch how. The, 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 the level that you guys worked at, like, I mean, it was, I mean, you had a presenter going at nonstop at all times, talking yeah. to almost every single person coming to that booth. It got crazy. I mean, look, if like we, do, if you can present to no one, we, we, like, <laughs> right, we right. would, we train people to present to no one or in the booth. Yeah. Which is difficult. It's very hard. Yeah. If you don't have feedback from a human being <laughs> right, right. when you're presenting, if you ever try to present to like two people, but that look, I think a lot of people when they when they run a business or own a bit like or they're in a startup or they quit too soon or what aren't you willing what are you willing to do right yeah. like and I think we give up or we just 
won't go for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just knew that I had a lot of a bunch of my buddies' money on the line. Yeah, I sure. wasn't going to let them down. No, and no. so that drove me to yeah present to no one. But what what you do if you pre- here's a, here's a key to success. If you're in, ever in a presentation, there's people like in a trade show trade show environment. People are walking by. You present to no one. Guess what happens? People sit down and start listening to yeah, you. Right. And I discovered this. I'm like, I just got to keep talking. If I keep talking <laughs> and, I, and I exude enough energy, yeah. these people will sit down and listen to me. And then I know they'll buy what I have because I believe in it. If you don't believe in what you're selling, no. forget about it. Right. And I truly believe like this is better. For sure. I yeah. believe it with my whole heart. And I know it. it's transforming for people. When we see other human beings, it's, it makes a big difference. So that's what they got to hear when they sit down. So I love, I appreciate that because those days were hard, really hard. Because you had to win, there. and you're on your feet all day. Your voice is I, nonstop. Yeah, your you're, horse so you're is shot. Like, like, like you, you have to make the money back too. Because yep. it's like you lay the money out, you had to make it back. If right. you didn't, it was bad. Like you could shut the doors if you didn't make that money back in those days, right? Yeah. Like, so now we still do this, and we've really perfected that. The trade show thing. It's been great. So it's still how we've done it. We've been able to, it's where I just came from, right? Came yeah. from a show like that, but not, not quite as crazy as that one, but it's been a big part so, of our story. So, you know, you have all of these people in your organization at that point that are working these booths and doing those things. And one of the things that really stuck out to me is I think of other booths that I've been to and other in trade shows and environments I've been to, and I'm talking to a co-founder or CEO, a president, whatever the title is, really high up in an organization. A lot of times it feels like they're at a different level than the people that are working with them. And so like when I go to your office or I go to your trade show booth, it is true like bottom up leadership, like your boots on the ground right next to them. Do you, You'll step up, jump up, grab a client. We'll be in mid conversation and you'll jump over and help someone that's not being helped. Yeah. And so how do you build an environment like that? Obviously you have the background Midwest, like, mm-hmm. you know, hardworking, like, similar to me, but like, how do you build an environment like that? Cause I think there are some people listening that are, that are business leaders that have a big disconnect from their mm-hmm. sales force or their employees or their staff where they maybe look like they're elite or they're at the top and they're just barking orders. And like, how yeah. do you truly get in an environment like that? Cause you guys have done it better than anyone I've ever seen. Thanks. I want to be that person. Yeah, I do. And so I think sometimes some of the folks, our salespeople would love me to not be in that booth sometimes, For honestly, sure. but I want them that everybody that works at Bomba know that I am willing to do what I've asked them to do. Mm-hmm. And I want them to know, you know, that I, um, I did it. I will do it. Any job is not beneath anybody. We're all in customer support. We're all in customer. We take care of customers. We care about the outcome of the, of the customer. They're more important than what, what we are. I just want to lead by example there. And yeah. so, I think the whole premise of what we do and what businesses should be about is solving the problem of the people that have given you money. I'm still blown away that people are willing to give us money for this thing that we built. You know what's and it's so humbling int- to me? Yeah, you know what's so interesting about what you just said there is that you guys truly want to help and solve a problem. Yeah. And there are so many companies that we both mutually know yeah. that are just taking money and they don't put themselves at a level or hold themselves accountable. Just to like earlier when you said like, I took my friend's money, like I, this had to work like, but there are so many people that are willing to take that money or collect money from customers. I mean, I think of like the fitness model and in the, in the different fitness industries and they're not all this way, but like if they sell a membership to the the health club, if everyone showed up to the health club, there'd be no equipment to use. And, And a lot of those organizations have no interest in trying to get the people there to become better, to become more healthy. Just trying to get the membership. That's it. That's it. They're just trying to sell the front end thing and you can feel it. I'm yeah, I still, I never is lost. I mean, that someone is working on their business and decided to subscribe to our service and that they are trusting us with the, the $400 a year. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Or, yeah. And for some people in their business, that's everything they have. Exactly. And I get that. Yeah. Right? Like you I were get, there, you lived it. I was there. And yeah. so I, and, and uh, I take that seriously. Connor takes it seriously. Our team takes it seriously. Our leadership team, um, everybody at Bomb Bomb, I think that has led to, to make us a great company. I mean, I love Bomb Bomb. I love the people there. And I think we've done well with putting the right people in the right seats and, and getting them to be a part of the business. And so, and, but you know, I was talking about, we just won a great award. Actually, we won best companies to work 
in Colorado. Unbelievable. Congratulations, man. That's a big award. Really big. And I just thought that that was such a testament to the people. Yes. Because ultimately, like we do these fireside chats at BombBomb every quarter. So Connor and I kept, and I didn't want to do them at first. And uh, Sandra, uh, she runs our HR. was like, you really, you know, you guys need to do this more and communicate more. I'm like, you're right. As we're growing, we got 140 people right now. And so we're doing these fireside chats and she goes, um, or the question is always about culture. How will you keep the culture going at Bob? I'm like, okay, at this level, I can only do so much. It has to be about you guys. Cause you know, I'm, I'm going to be flying a bit more. You won't see me as much. You need to, this has to transmit beyond us and be around us. Um, and so we really, um, made that a focus like you need to carry the torch now and i thought that award was such a testament to that happening yeah because you don't vote for your company being um best company to work for because of the 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 guys that started it yeah right it's about the people you work with it's about a you feel that culture more than you know the core values of it or whatever it might be it has to be a fun place where you're working so I love that. I love that award. I feel like that customer focus, that customer first focus is transmitted. That's the vibe. You, you mentioned culture and the culture at BombBomb is incredible. And there's a second part to that, which is like the core values. And like you start bringing in a certain type of person and you can feel it there. What stuck out to me is you mentioned Steve and you mentioned the dinner and Steve's like, let's just go grab a beer. Like we don't need to get all fancy. And yeah. like, that's yeah. who Steve is. That's who you are. That's, right. that's who I am. And I, and I think there's a different like level of, of humility in your organization. And so when you look at, you know, from the beginning to, to where you are today, like how did the core values, like, I mean, how did they evolve? And like, Mm -hmm. how did you figure out like, Hey, what do we stand for? Like, what are we hiring? Who are we attracting? Because it's become really obvious to me and anyone from the outside that's close enough to your organization that things are humming along and it's a really good place to work. This was all Connor, honestly, in the beginning, Connor really put a focus on the core values. And I, you know, he was reading this, we're big um, Rockefeller habits people. And, yeah. and this was um, a book that we read called scaling up 2.0 by Vern Harnish. And so in there, it talks a lot about these um, core values. And so Connor really made that a point early. I mean, really before we had any employees, we had the core values and there used to be 12, we narrowed that down. Now it's um, it, the first one's relationships, service, flexibility, fun, and humility are the core values. And humility is a core value, and service and flexibility. And then in a startup, you're always pivoting and, and we're changing this today, and we're moving away from that now, yeah, right? Right. And relationships, number one, because fundamentally our software, what we believe in is we want to rehumanize the planet. And that sounds nuts, but you got to be bigger. And Connor is the dreamer. Okay, this is Connor's the dreamer and the apostle. I am the rubber to the road executor. <laughs> the yeah, road. <laughs> I make make those visions a reality and sometimes say, well, yeah, that one's going to happen. That's going to take a few years, right, bro? Like, not yeah. going to happen tomorrow. So we work well together, real, very symbiotic that way. And back to back is how I like to think about it. But um, so, yeah, he came with those core values. And so that really translated into this culture, I think. The core values, though, without some sort of executable, big, hairy, audacious goal, like rehumanizing the planet to coincide with them, that is what makes a culture really catch fire and and get around a bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I love that our core values speak to purpose because of our rehumanizing the planet purpose. And then we were, you know, about a year and a half ago, maybe even two years ago now, we were in this meeting and we we're talking about rehumanizing the plan. Like, what's that mean? Is that too ethereal? Is that too big? Who actually came up with it? You know, it was Jonathan Bolton, our SVP of sales. And we were talking about, we had humanized the planet, yeah, yeah. humanized the planet, yeah. right? And then it was kind of like this rehumanize because we have kind of given ourselves away to this automation Correct. in text, social media, where we are portraying. Um, what we want people to see yeah, and it's, it's, not so it's not real. And, and no. so I think we, our goal and our, our big hairy dishes goal is to rehumanize it, like to bring humans back to talking to humans again. And then that led us down this road of, so it worked for our software that, you know, saying videos is better, seeing a human being's face. Like you guys can't see me right now, but I am, my hands are moving a thousand miles a minute. Right. So Chris, we're animated yeah. talkers. But in a video that comes through and it's it's authentic, I think people right now want authenticity like they want water. And I think we're dying for it. Yeah. And um, literally. 
So I'm trying to, we're trying to do that. But then when you think about rehumanize the planet with your technology, well, okay, so how can we really make an impact? How would we really rehumanize the planet? That makes you start to think about, are the dehumanized people in this world? Who is yeah, being, wow. who is dehumanized? And how can you make an impact there? Because if you're going to rehumanize the planet, you got to focus on the people who are being dehumanized. Okay, so right now in this world, we have more sex trafficking going on than we ever have in the history of time, more slavery in essence, right? Right. When you think about that and any point in time, we have homelessness is a, is a problem where, where we're at. Kids on the streets, we have families that are homeless. So we decided that to rehumanize the planet, we needed to help the dehumanized. And that really <laughs> came from, and then really, I think people really jammed on that. People want to work at BombBomb, you know, yeah. it's the best recruiting tool ever. Yeah, for it, sure. it, Okay. Start yeah. novel, start caring about other people and make money and have jobs in the process. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that was kind of the idea. And so then we, had, we took on a project with a great uh, nonprofit called, um, called Dream Centers. They do two things. One is they have a place called Mary's Home where they, they specifically get families off the street and into housing, help education. So it's usually a mother and kids who are living in their cars. Blow your mind how many families are actually living out of their cars, trying to get the kids to school. Or they yeah, live in a car and then go into a job, but they don't have a home. They're homeless. They can't go to a shelter because you know, DHS might take the kids from them. So yeah, this whole organization is designed to get them back together as a family in a safe place. If you don't have a home, you're not fully human. No. I mean, you know, like you're living on the street. And then the other thing they do is they have a women's clinic. It's free health care for women yeah. in our city. So we really felt like to adopt, to start, you know, start in your own backyard, right? Like yep. with, with your community yep. where we're actually growing and stuff. And so we did that in Carl Springs. And then we actually uh, worked out where we work with the, um, the Springs Rescue Mission, which focuses on homeless. And then we gave hours for bomb bombers. We, if you work at bomb, bomb bomber to work at or bombers, you get to go to Mary's home on the clock and we have um, hours that they can go and serve at Mary's home. And we clean up the yard. We do trunk or treats for the kids. Uh, we went down to the rescue mission and we feed the homeless, stuff like that. And then this, this year we're doing some cool stuff. This has always been the heartbeat of Connors to really started. He thought we would do bomb bomb and he'd be gone after it started making some money and he'd go live in Africa because a good friend of ours has an orphanage over there. And so this year we're, we're really looking at doing more, you know, like internationally because it was, it was really part of the, this Genesis story of bomb bomb that if we could make enough money doing this, he could live in Africa yeah, yeah. and really help these orphan kids that live in the slum. It's really heartbreaking story, but I love that that's part of our story. So that to me, that's what we're doing this yeah, for. Yeah, for sure. Because I still don't need a lot of money. No, right? Like, no. why I think, um, how can we make an impact? I want to make a dent in the universe. I want the epitaph to be like this, not startup in Colorado Springs does well. Like, yeah, and you I, know, and like I, that's, I, I love that you're just trying to take steps towards making a dent in yeah. this universe. I never believe that you'll feel like you've completely done it, right? Uh, like, right. Well, that's, like, <laughs> so if you get, so that's interesting. Yeah. Because when you think about you and I, as an entrepreneur, like we're drivers, like you and I are drivers. So you can channel that in a way. I think this, in this direction, you're, like, you're be generous. Yes. Right. Look, if you can never be satisfied with how generous you're trying to be or never be satisfied by rehumanizing, dehumanized people. Okay. That's great. If you can never be satisfied by the next million, I think that's an empty place to go. Correct. Look, if I'm never satisfied and yeah. you are, we stay focused on that. The rest will take care That's of itself. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's what I think. Uh, yeah, for sure. And, 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 and I've seen too many business leaders and business owners that are so motivated by money that are miserable. Miserable. Yeah, miserable. Because hey, you know? you're chasing a, you're just a, it's, fall, the wrong, it's like sand, it, it holding is, sand, right? right? Like, it is. And then, yeah. you know, and then you, you mentioned something earlier that stuck out to me is it's the social media side of it where mm-hmm. like there's all this pressure to live essentially a life that doesn't exist. We compare our entire life to other people's front end. There's Hollywood out there and like we need to look and act like that and we don't have their cars or we don't have their belongings and it's like it's by design it's in a way it's like been marketing that's created this imagery that we need these belongings and we need these things and 
That's why I love the rehumanizing aspect of what you're doing, because that's what we need to do, especially in the world we're in today. Like we're in a really bad spot. I mean, you look at the political and all the things that are going on. It's so out of control that we forgot actually how to be good neighbors or how to be good to each other. Care about one another. Yeah. yeah, It's just, it's just a, it's a terrible place. And I think whatever we do, if as long as we're going that direction, like every little step we take is more than we would have done if we didn't take any steps forward. And I, and and sometimes it can be a daunting task. I mean, BombBomb is a very successful company, but if you look at the landscape of the entire universe, like- Oh yeah, I'm not, we're not. Right, 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 right. <laughs> We're a speck of sand. Right, right, right. right. Yeah, exactly. And, and so the core values and in, in what you stand for, they blend in professionally and, and, and personally. You're out helping and, and donating to these things personally as well as professionally. Like sometimes in business, I, I, I'll watch business leaders like, well, if we donate to this gala or we sponsor this thing and it's like this sexy event that yeah, we go to. What's my ROI it, it, on yeah, that? Correct. That's the problem, <laughs> right? right? Yeah, that, that is exactly what it is. It's like, why not just do something to do good? Connor and I actually struggled for a long time, even now, uh, even talking about it. Again, I think it has to do with where we're from and, and like you don't talk about that. But it's hard. Yeah. It is, man. But I did then come to realize that other businesses need to do this. They have to. And that's it's their where responsibility. It, like, yeah. To take care of their communities and, and making more of an impact. Like we just can't be about making money. Like sure. we have to do something, right? Like we do, we can change it. We can, if we started thinking that way and start focusing. And I, so I'd rather be that voice saying, let's, let's change our minds. Let's be generous. For sure. Make an impact. What does the tombstone say? What yeah. Do your kids think about you in the long run? I don't want them to be like, he founded a software company. Yeah, I, right. I no. do not care no. about that. I, I want them to be like, he cared about people made an impact. He rehumanized the dehumanized. They, they, they were, they were about that. I'd rather everyone know that than what bomb bomb did and how they went public or not. Or Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I mean, none of that yeah. stuff even matters. You know, that's what's so not interesting about run. it. Like you think about, yeah. I, I remember when I did the exercise where like I was writing my eulogy and what like yep. it was going to say, what, you know, what people were going to do. And it's so fascinating. And I would challenge everyone that's listening to do that exercise because it's a really deep exercise. But I think it gives you clarity on like why we're doing this. And it's interesting that anything I wrote didn't say anything about real estate, about coaching, speaking. None of that stuff had anything to do with my eulogy or, or like to your point, what my tombstone's going to say. And I know that it's for some people like that, you know, that might be a little bit deep, but like you really have to figure out like, what is the impact of what you're doing? What, what's, what's the point of all this? There was something I just heard and I, and I don't know if I'm going to get it exactly right, but Warren Buffett said the way that he measures success today is how many people that he thinks love him actually do love him. <laughs> you think about that. Yeah, like you think about like, you know, you think about the people around you, you're like, well, you know, you, you want to be loved, yeah. but then you start to think about like, do they actually love me? And that starts Especially, to define success. Yeah. And you're, and this is coming from one of the richest guys in the world. Mm-hmm. He, he didn't mention anything about money or about success or belongings or anything else. Are the people that I thought love me, do they really love me? When I heard that, I was like, wow, that's, that's a different way of looking at it. Cause we all want to feel loved and we think we're loved or whatever. But when it really comes down to it and it's our funeral, like, are they, are people there that are crying or that are upset? Are they, re- do they really love us? Like, do they really love us? Did we do the right things throughout our lifetime to actually gain that love? And like, those are challenging things. And, and I think we're in a place in, in time in our industry where like, there's such a divide and, mm. and separation from wealth and, and, and like to your point, the homelessness and, and all, you know, the, the sex slavery and all the things that are happening. Like if all together, we all like start to like, just do little things. And I'm sharing this because like, to your point, like when you come from like where I came from or where you came from. I don't want to be in the spotlight. Like I don't like, yeah. I don't, and I don't no, want to yeah. be like glorifying that like, Hey, I'm trying to be generous and give back my time, treasures and talents. And it becomes really challenging. But now like my mindset is like, when I share this podcast or when I share a post or a video or I send an email or a text, I encourage other businesses to step up and be leaders and to make a difference. And so mm. if we're quiet, we're not able to get those companies to step up and gain traction alongside us. Yes. And so I think sometimes yeah. like, some businesses Who's like with me, right? Yeah, right. right. Yeah. And some businesses do it in the wrong way. That's like, Hey, look at me and all this attention. I'm writing a check or I'm doing this big thing or whatever it is. And those are for the wrong reasons. But if you're really deep at your core, trying to get other people around you that are successful to donate, to give back their time, treasure, or talents or whatever that is, like we can do really big things. And, and it's become really clear to me, the more success our organization has, has had, what you said is the people in your organization, like, come in. You said it's the best recruiting tool. 
that just takes a life of its own. And, and that's why you start to have the same type of people in your organization yeah. because they want to do those things that you're doing. And they don't leave either because they're bought in emotionally to that rehumanizing the planet. Like there's a bigger purpose to what's happening. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I think it, it does attract a diverse group of people mm-hmm. that want to, they, they want to be, be, be a part of it. Yes. Yeah. Like, because it's almost countercultural to be like, we're about relationships, humility, service, flexibility, and fun. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> I'm into that. Right. Yeah. Like, so it attracts a diverse group of people. And I think you need that in a business to, you have different ideas about different things, but we can come alongside each other on these ideas and how do we accelerate? Yeah. How do we work with people that care so, about these things. So as you've become more crystal clear on your purpose, not only personally, but, but professionally as well. And within bomb bomb, what types of things have shown up that employees at bomb bomb things that they've done that you're like, wow, that was incredible. Like just from either like a core value standpoint or like within one of the organizations that you work with where you're like, I love being a part of this. And like, they're, setting the stage for they're raising the bar. Like there's gotta be some examples, some things that you've seen where like, yeah, I mean, either actually, as a group collectively or like that you're like, I love what what's happening here. I mean, it's just what I see them down there. Like when we started to do the stuff with um, the Springs rescue mission, everybody lined up to do it. Come on. Yeah. Like, I don't, I just don't, I didn't know. And, yeah, and, for every, sure. and like it was filled. Everyone went, wanted to do that and like help the folks at Mary's home. I just think that uh, we got a great team who's always thinking about helping each other too. We have this thing um, at Bomb called the awesome office. Basically it celebrates an individual that ex- best exemplifies our core values and they're nominated to the awesome office by their peers and they get the office for two, a two week time period. And it's a corner office, you know, got a great view. It's um, it's a big office, beautiful. And, and then they get their picture there. And so, so they're nominated for things like I nominate Chris for humility because yeah. he did this, this, and this. So I get to hear these stories a ton. That's unbelievable. It's a lot of fun to hear about. And I love that it's the peers that are doing it. And so People get nominated into the awesome office for yeah. service, yeah, for flexibility, for um, relationships, right? And so, um, and that keeps that moving, right? And then we I love rewarding that. We put them in the office, and they get to be in there, and we can We have one of those classic open office plans, right? Yeah, so, yeah. which has its pros and cons. So for to sure. get an office like that is amazing for them. They get then, yeah, it's a little cold. I've heard it's a little cold. So leading 140 people is a task in itself, yeah, like a yeah. really big task. That's something like, that, you know, you never sign up for that. No. When you, I keep, I told Connor, gosh, you know, I knew we'd have all these people, but you can never really envision what that's like. No. A lot of people have expectations of you and it's hard like to, to live that out. Right. And so it's, that's been the hardest part. So I'm just real honest with folks in the, in these fireside chats were great. Cause yeah. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to fail you. I am not superhuman. I cannot do this hundred percent all the time. I, I strive towards it. Like I, I want to be this person. So, um, and I think that transparency helps. Right. But yeah, that's hard. That's yeah. hard. And, you know, dealing with people and spend a lot of time in the office dealing with stuff and just helping people. It's life. It's for sure. life. Yeah, and they spend, sure. you know, they spend more time there and they do home. That's so. right. Leading people. It's a lot of pressure. Like yep. it's a lot of pressure and no one can, it's kind of like, I think of like my daughter, Victoria, like no one can really prepare you to be a parent, right? No, it's the same exactly. Thing. Like, it is. Like, That's like, a great it's analogy. the same thing. It like is. you scale your business and I'm so fortunate to have incredible, amazing human beings in our organization. And when that's uh, it. it, yeah. And, and, and that's you how smart you do that. People you... that are great people that like, but like, like you said, life, it's still life. Life shows up in different, you know, things go, there's struggles or successes. Mm-hmm. Like not every day is perfect and you have your challenges. What are some just simple tips that you think from a leadership standpoint and leading people that the listeners could benefit from? I think lots of channels of communication. I mean, that's kind of broad, but give them ways to communicate to you if you're the leader. I One of my fears is that we'll lose that, I guess, if I'm honest, like trying to like maintain yeah. that because I don't have the tight relationship. I used to know everybody, knew their, I knew their spouses, I knew their kids, like I knew everybody. Now I don't, I don't know them as much, but I, I want to. I just don't, there's not enough time in a day. Yeah. So as we scale, how do you maintain that? So you create channels of communication that can get to you um, we use Slack. I get, yeah. you know, um, you know, I'll take an appointment. I tell them, anybody, anytime you want to go to lunch, you want to come talk to me. I think so many times we think we're, we're giving the vision of where we're going and you can tell them you think you did it. You know, everyone has a different communication style, how they read things and hear things. So creating those different ways for people to connect. So for some people you say it, 
at uh, all hands meeting, that's fine. Some people may hear it here for the first yeah, time from right, me. Right. Some people may need to have a one-on-one chat with you to understand what that yeah. means. Or maybe it's just lots of forms to get to you. I think that I don't want to be the person in the office that they just walk by like, I want to be approachable. I'm not always as approachable as I could be. I want to be though, right? I yeah. desire to be. So you mentioned the different forms of communication and, and this is something that, you know, I have an education background and so I learned a lot about this, but people learn differently. Yeah. Like, you know, and so some people could be auditory. Some, I mean, there's different right. ways that people could learn send and listen. Email, and like, yeah. Send a video email. That's right. You know, yeah. Tell them, Correct. Um, sit down with the, the teams that you've created or their leaders. I think our leaders are so pivotal to this that, you know, years back I said, guys, I need you to help me better communicate to your team what's going on. So, and that's a form of leadership, like give them, like we have to, you know, give leadership to empower our leaders to do that. So we create a leadership kind of a monthly thing that we do where we're investing in our leaders. It's been a big focus for us this year is just investing in the leadership bomb. How do we grow leaders? You know, what's the library look like? What's the books that every bomber leader should read? Like, and kind of be our language around bomb bombs. That's been a big thing. Like John Maxwell's five levels leadership, um, the Vern Harnish book I mentioned before about scaling up and um, we use a process for hiring called who. So like, and then having this vernacular and then everybody's in the same language. That's critical. Like that everyone's using the same the language. Same language. But you mentioned the who, what does that look like? So the whole philosophy is around this concept of hi- finding and hiring a players, right? Yeah. So creating this ideal profile that, as as an ideal um, fit culturally, and it's just an interview process, yeah. right? So it's how we we talk to people, how we source folks and interview folks and talk to them, and it's great. So it's a pretty well um, accepted human resource uh, type of yeah. system, right? Yeah. But say A, B, and C players, and you want these people that you know you have them in your organization now. How do you create more of them? And, For sure. and how do you get the A players you have to excel and grow? I think a lot of people are just unhappy in their jobs and sometimes just the wrong fit. So um, not every, like the culture might be the wrong fit for you, you know, whatever it might be. I think it helps people seeking jobs too to this way. So like here's what's an thing. ideal fit as a business yeah. for me, right? Not just any job I can get. No, right? what's, what's interesting. The reason I, I asked that, cause I kind of want to set up the second part of this, which you know, I've been very close to you and I've watched the growth of your organization and like not every hire you made was good, right. like whether it was personally your decision no, yeah. or someone in the organization right. and, and that's business. I mean, that's the way yep. that companies work. And, you know, what are some of the mistakes that you've personally made as, you know, as you're hiring people? Cause I think hiring the wrong people, I mean, as you know, and, and you're constantly living, if you hire the wrong person, it gets really expensive turnover. It can be damaging mm-hmm. to culture. There are so many different things. What are you learning about bad hires that you've made along the way? I think that. One of the things we fell into is that when we're trying to grow fast, you, if you lower your standards and like don't hold out for the best person for the job sometimes, that that, that can become an issue, right? Like I think people go too fast. Yeah. Like we went too yeah. fast. We've done yeah, that before. For, for you, like for you, I mean, 30 plus percent growth. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's and crazy. People, and so, I mean, how do you, it's hard. Yeah. It, it's yeah, hard. You probably have immediate pain point there Yo, that you're trying huge, to solve. Like, right. And so that's, I get that, but how do you, so this hiring process has to be lockstep, rock style. And so we really refined that more, um, hired, uh, some an internal person that their only job is to recruit talent to bomb bomb and, and look for those folks that work for us. So, I mean, that was a big thing that we did to change that instead of it's like, cause when you're starting a business, kind of like who, you know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like who, you know, comes to work with you when you're in a startup, you're like doing whatever you can. Sometimes you can't pay anything like just a different culture. I think a lot of startups are formed that way, especially that the initial founding team. Yeah. Right? And so then as you scale, how do you scale quickly and have a great hiring process in place? And so I think we, we need to do that better. I would tell you for me, the hires that I've made, it was really fundamentally, I didn't believe I was the one to take the company to the next level. Yeah. And yeah, so it's funny, we, it's funny. Like I, you know, there's certain things that I've had along the way. It's like our own insecurity yes. and like, but we're the pulse of what's happened and we're yep. trying to talk ourselves out because we and, weren't qualified and we like, and, and look, I mean, a lot of times I'm rejecting the voice in my head. Yeah. Right. But when that voice in your head, sometimes it gets past the, uh, and you're <laughs> right. like, I'm going to hire this person. Cause they know more than I do. Yeah, They're about polished this. up. They've got this great resume. Yeah, and, you know, all, exactly. I mean, and so I think Connor and I both dealt with that. And like, are we the guys 
um, went through that phase, right? And like now we know we are. Yeah. Like this is our destiny. For like, sure. Yeah. Star Wars, yeah. right? Like this is our um, – this is what we've been given. And this yeah. is what we've been entrusted with. This is what um, we've been called to. Okay. And that's it's almost why, like, it's so crazy. Like it's, I mean, it's like your identity. Like it is. I, it is. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. cause it's bigger than a job. Correct. That's right. That's it's right. like, um, I don't work. No. Right. I don't work. I don't feel like I work. I have a hobby yep. <laughs> that pays and I, that's a great place to be, but I didn't own that. And that I did, it was a, it was a hiring situation we had that then, you know, it's, it's, it's over now, but I did not believe in myself. Yeah. And I think it took, had a coach kind of grab oh, yeah. me like, this is you, man. Right, right, you got right. what it takes. Yeah. You can do this. And, it's, and I've had a lot of great mentors in my life, but I think as you grow to find these mentors that can almost scale with you for and sure. yeah. understand some of these problems, like having 140 people working for you, like, whoa, yeah, that's a new one. Can't yeah. help you there, bud. Like, okay. Like, and so I'm um, finding that right fit there. But then, yeah, there's a couple of these things, just like this voice being like, no, you know, really you didn't. I didn't go to college, man. Like yeah. I didn't go to college. Right? right. Like, and when I did go, I did go, but I didn't, I didn't really go. <laughs> what would you go to party? Instead? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was really bad. So, I mean, and Connor didn't either. So yeah. we just had always that voice. And when you're like, I'm in San Francisco last week, hanging out with these people like at the Stanford, with the Harvard. Yeah. Like, yeah I, I didn't, but I'm doing the same thing you're doing. And so, I don't know, that voice got me. And I think that is a lesson. Like, if I would say one thing to business owners, like it's you, you have yeah. what it takes. You're called to do this. That's right. You need to own that, grab it and own it and like know that or, and I'm, I'm frankly, I'm fine when I'm not the guy to put the right, cause the business becomes this thing bigger than you. Yeah. And I tell you what, it used to motivate me, my buddies that gave me the money. Now it's the 140 people and their That's families 100%. that I'm not going yeah. to be this egomaniac and not be humble enough to know okay, I need to put a different person in this seat because I, I'm not going to be the one to do it. But right now I'm the one to do this. Like I have what it takes. I'm going to own that. Right. So I think growing that team and our larger, now we learn to our senior team and our leadership team in general is the leaders of bomb bomb. It's yeah. my job to empower them. And I'm a pretty good motivator. Most yeah. Oh yeah. I'm motivated right now. Listening to yeah, you. I, mean, <laughs> I love you, you. You've used this word quite a few times and it's in power there are probably leaders that are listening right now that could do a better job of empowering their leadership team or their people in their organization. And like, mm. and you mentioned something else that, that really stuck up with me. And it's like, we talked about like that insecurity of like, we didn't believe we're the person for that job or thought yeah. we were qualified, or maybe we didn't have the background in running a business, like your point, you know, not going to college. And we have all these things going on. And I think it's a reminder like that we really have to control that self-talk because mm -hmm. the way that we talk to ourselves and that negative self-talk and how we create that doubt is a really important piece to success. Because the thing is, is you start talking negative to yourself and anything that you're thinking privately shows up publicly. Absolutely. People can feel it. Like yeah. if, if Darren shows up insecure, if he's the right person to do this position or that position, I think about like, if you're a general in the army and you're like, Hey, we're going to war. And the general shows up and says, well, I don't, I'm not sure if we're going to win or not, or, or goes, I'm running to the back of the line quick. Uh, like, uh, yeah, no, no, thank you. <laughs> right. Surrender, right, please. Right. right. So it's You're the right. same thing. Like, and it's, yeah. and it's hard because we don't have experience in like, we're learning as we go. Um, yeah. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but no. it's still like, it's being able to admit, I think a lot of people aren't them learning as I go. Yeah. Like a lot of people, it's like, I got this for I mean, sure. That's as dangerous. Yeah. That's maybe more dangerous. Than being like, I'm not sure I do, but I'm going to figure it out. Well, you said earlier, you said the transparency piece, yeah. like that transparency piece of being vulnerable and transparent, like, Hey, like here's where I'm struggling. Here's where I made a mistake. And then owning it. Like too often I see business leaders that don't own that. Like something's not right. And if you drop the ball, it's okay. Like, like let's just figure out how to get it better. Here's the thing that sticks out to me most of everything. And this can go one of two ways. And I, I think about like, if you're in a business with your spouse or in your case, you're in business with your best friend. Yeah. Right. I mean, I've watched a lot of business <laughs> relationships my first and partnerships. Wife. Yeah. That's what I said. Right. My yeah, first, first wife. wife. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, Connor's a, a good first wife to have. Yeah, absolutely. So, <laughs> but it's interesting because those types of friendships, I've watched it go both ways. I've watched yeah. like the, the, you know, partnerships that are no longer, they don't even talk. And then to yours where like, it's like, you know, it's an ongoing thing. Like how have you two together worked successfully to get this company to this point? Just a ton, of ton of marriage counseling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I mean, you know, it's, 
There's good times and bad times, man. Yeah. Like it's it's interesting. It is like a marriage. It is because you need to um, focus on your relationship there just as much as you would your marriage or your kids. I mean, it's that important. And we were lucky enough to be. And I again, it's just one of the guys. It's just like you're telling me like these two guys from Blue Car Town, Michigan, never went to college and run this business. That is like okay. <laughs> Like, I you don't it. believe in I God. Love it. I love like, it. That should be like a thing for you. So anyway, just think about that for a bit. Anyway, but we're great. Um, we're, where we're from, I think, has so much to do with that. We understand each other in a deep way that way. And like, it's kind of like you're with your kids. Like, you know, they'll go to dad and try and get something by dad and then they'll go to mom. That's a lot like what goes down yeah. at Bob oh, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. And um, we always know he didn't say that. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Like, oh, he didn't say that. Like, I, and I think that's a great uh, gift that we have. And. We know each other well enough to know where we're coming from. We've never had a disagreement that we didn't come to a conclusion and agree on. Yeah. Like we might disagree, but we've never had a time where like, we're not coming together on this. Never has never happened. And God willing, it won't ever happen. But I think it's just so got to work on a relationship, got a partner. It's like a spouse. You have to be focused on it. And and I mean, we have a coach now too, that is like really pressing in on this. Cause as the business grows, it just gets more complex. For like, sure. Yeah. You're tied to the hip, man. Like we're filing taxes together. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> like it's just like, there's so much there in the partnership. It's so real. And so, and our families are close. It's great. You know, and um, my, you know, it's uncle Connor and my kids yeah. and then same yeah, I love with, that. with his, I love it too. It's one of the, one of the perks, man. Like that's it's one, one of the, the most unique business relationships it's, I've ever seen in my life. I think, like, well, I pre, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, so he's CEO, I'm the president, and we're the co-founders. It's like, but we're back to back in that business. I wouldn't have it any other way. And I, I can't see doing it without him. I know he feels the same way. And so that that's it. I know he feels the same way. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think Bomb Bomb would have happened with, without both of us. Yeah. I, and I do believe it was given, it was our calling to do this together. Yeah. And so- just more a part of our story. It's so fascinating how it is fast. We met and how that happened. And so, yeah, it's just cool. The thing that sticks out with your relationship, which I think is critical to any sort of leadership or, or whether you're the owner founder, or you're just a leader inside of another company, it's trust. Like yeah. what you just said there, yeah. where you said, like, you know, that someone comes to mom and says one thing and dad says, no, mom wouldn't say that. That's really critical to have that yeah. trust. And that's one thing that, that I've watched uh, closely over the years, like you guys trust each other and yeah. that's really important in business. And yeah. I've seen a lot of organizations where they don't fully trust, you know, no, each other, right. You, know? They, you have these competing priorities. Yeah. We have the same worldview. We have the same idea about what we want the end to be like. It's not like he's saying, oh, I just want to make a bunch of money. And I'm saying, I want, he's saying the same thing. We want to, what's on the epitaph. What's, what's this end game about? What's yeah. that about? So uh, we're on the same page there. And, and the the fun thing though is that it's translating too now as we grow this as our team is like that like Steve and and JB and Jonathan Patrick Clint like those guys I trust them with my kids yeah yeah you and, have incredible people I've been I've had the opportunity to meet a lot of them and it's yeah. like yes so I mean you have it's, this it's strong there team, right yeah you know, the team like, is so critical because okay yeah there's a lot of gaps I have but they have what yeah. I need. And yeah. I think as leaders, you have to put people around, you have to know what your weaknesses are in, um, you know, I go fast. Yeah. I need somebody to be really like, fast. let's just go a 10 slower for five minutes. All right, fine. What do you have to say? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. I need that person to yeah. say that. And sometimes I yeah. break glass, but that's my role. Like I'm, I always tease my team. Like I'm the guy, like your foot's on the gas. I'm reaching over from the passenger seat, putting my foot on your foot to go faster. Yeah. But it takes all of us to, I need to push. They need to slow down. The middle is where it happens. And um, I love that our team, I think, is really growing and we're feeling that congeal. I'm going to use the wrong word. Like we're, we're, we're getting close. Yeah, we're We're getting getting close. close. (laughs) A long day already. Yeah, yeah. Welcome up early. So the, uh, so within, you know, the entire organization, like I've watched all of these people and I think like sometimes we take too lightly how important the people are. Like, you know, I've watched yeah. founders of businesses that think they It'll developed the whole up. thing, right? It'll like, blow it up. And, yeah. and you, and, and what you said there is like, what I think is so important in leadership and it's like your weaknesses yeah. and like too many people aren't willing to look in the mirror and admit where they're not strong. And like you said, meeting back in the middle where there are, you know, 
where there are things where like, hey, Darren's not great here. Let's hire to that and solve that problem. And we'll meet in the middle. And then I, that someone will take that blind spot or that weakness away from me. But so many leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable like that. And, and, and you know, I've watched it in, in the real estate industry, for example, where you have one person who's doing 70 different things. And that's been the model for 30 years. Yeah. And it's been acceptable. Bl- it can blow up. I know. It's been, yeah. and it's been acceptable to like, there, there really hasn't been any sort of team environment in real estate. It's been an individual agent with maybe one assistant trying to do everything. I would like, say too, that's the gift of Connor and, and Darren's relationship is that we're kind of, we have each other. And so look, man, like we get done, maybe what one of those CEOs gets done in a day yeah. it takes us two of us a day. For sure. But I go home to my family. For sure. Yeah. And, and I get to be at my kid's sporting events. Right. And I get to take vacation. Important. It's yeah. super important. Yeah. We're going to a yeah, we're going to a choir concert. Grade a choir concert. Chris and I yes, are tonight. Just a few minutes. I can't wait. I've been gone for four days. I'm like, <laughs> I dude, love it. Uh, I can't miss it. I yeah. got to be there. It's so important because they need to feel me as a being a dad and, and a husband is it. It's yeah. really the first thing. Yeah. And so like, I got to do that. And I think Connor's allowed us me to do that. And I, him, I hope so like that's, and, and then my team greater to more, even more, like we care about family. As we, we finish up here, could you give us just like a 60 second overview of like really what your product is and like what, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I obviously use it and, and, and love it. Our company absolutely kills it with your product, but people listening might not know exactly how it works. We, we make it super simple to create a video and build relationships. So like the idea here is that if any time you're sending a text email, a text, and you know what? It would be better said if you were face-to-face with that person, we enable you to do that. Through so app, we, through we, apps. Yeah, through right. The- so we have a mobile app and we have a Gmail application. Um, we can send mass email or one-to-one, but Really, what we were trying to do is help you build face-to-face relationships at scale. So you can you can be one-on-one. I can say, like, you know, I met some folks this week, and I'll send a personal video and say, hey, Dan, it was, it was great to meet you last night at dinner. Uh, it was a pleasure to get to know you and hear about your family. And that is what we need more yes, of, Yes, not more email, I text, know. email, or text. I just... You know, people say things on email, on social media, on text. They would never say to a person's face. Never. And if you could see another human being, wouldn't say it. No. The empathy gets ripped out of those communications. I want to see that more. We need to care more about people. I just think if we're face-to-face more often, more people, one, your business will grow. Like that's for sure. For sure. Two, you will build better, deeper, stronger relationships. That's my favorite thing about BombBomb. For me, my job is I travel a bunch and I get to hang out with people like Chris and people that are clients or become friends. But I would say that I know they're my friend because I know them so much better because we communicate and I see them more face-to-face either through video, Zoom or uh, video email, like we're doing, like whatever it is, like face-to-face is where it's at. For sure. But it's hard to do. Yeah. And, And my friends, my dear friends are all over the country. Yeah. In Canada, wherever. And I love that I get to see their faces in using this product. And so, yeah, I mean, our whole, core competencies are about a speed the video and work where you work. That means on if you're on Android, you're on iPhone, you're on Gmail, you're on Outlook. Um, we give you a Salesforce, um, CRM that you're using. We want to work where you work and uh, we want to make it easy and fast to deliver videos. And then, you know, you can track it all. So I know, I know Chris opened my video. I know he watched it. Um, I know everything about that communication. So the sales environment, the customer success environment, but just for better communication. If you're running a business, people should see your face. Your customers should see you more. The question is, if, if they did, do you think it would help your business? And we answer that. You know the answer is, <laughs> right, the whole right. point of making right. a phone call and sending them an yeah. email is typically to get face-to-face. Yeah. If it's in the sales context, it's like, I want to get face-to-face with them, right? right? So we're trying to solve that problem and we're trying to rehumanize your communication. And um, yeah, we already went through why. One tip that I'll leave people with, with your product or, or any sort of product is I think the biggest miss in running a business from uh, whether you're a leader, you know, or, or employing a company is the one-to-one sending versus mass. Yeah. And and when you talk about video and rehumanizing, yeah. I think too often what happens is someone does one video and sends it to 10,000 people and they think they sent 10,000 videos Yeah, and they sent the same message that, that, that you couldn't, it was just a generic cookie cutter video. And, and the real value in what you've built, because I use it all the time 
is the one-to-one where you're sending it directly to that person. It's specific to, you know, maybe a life-changing event that's happening in, in yeah. their world or, you know, maybe it's just to show gratitude or, or, or whatever it may be. And so I would just challenge people that if you do sign up for Bomb Bomb and are really focused on that video email and the video text and all the platforms you have, the biggest mistake is that mass is not. It's I just masses. look, it's about authenticity. Like yeah. we just met this great guy, Ryan Clune, right yeah. here, iHeartRadio. Yeah, amazing. They were super hospitable to us, walked us in here and um, we're in this great studio and then it's kind of cool, right? It like, is awesome. So yeah. he's getting it, a video it, email. Yeah, thanking sure. him. Yeah. Like the easiest thing is say thank you and, and, and be sincere. And I use inflection like every human being does. So like, that's where it's at. And I, I guarantee you that we'll, we'll Will that thank you feel more heartfelt yeah. in a text email or in a video? Again, it's an obvious answer for, for, sure, for, for sure. every human I, in a planet. That was like a five-star welcome for us here at iHeart in Denver. Like, I was impressed. That's hard to I top was like, that. Like, I said, I feel like a VIP, and I, I, know, don't, right? I don't know that I am. So huge thank you to iHeart. That was unbelievable. So last question I have for you is I've watched over the years. We've had a lot of fun together we're doing all this and we talked a lot about a lot of reasons why we're doing it, but there's, there's one and you, you mentioned it about bomb bomb and fun and like is the joy aspect. How do you bring joy to yourself in the professional environment? And personally, like what brings you joy? Seeing people succeed. That's the heart of it. Like just, that's why I got so fired up just to say, I'm like, (laughs) I know you'll do better if you do that. Like I want you to do better. And so I was, um, you know, I love working on our sales folks. I love that. I loved I am a salesperson at heart. I mean, I transfer promotion like that's. And so I, I've been saying, I want you to win more than you do. Yeah. And I need you to pick that up because I want you to win. I just want to see other people win. I love hanging out with other people in business. I love breaking through with them. I love building relationships. I'm a connector. I dig it. So I want to see people find their calling. Yeah. And stop doing things that are sucking the life out of them. I know. I know. And like, get after it. I've I got some great friends. And um, just recently, one guy got have his business got bought and uh, it was amazing. And he's just going to win. I want to see him win. And I just love being a part of other people's story and helping encourage them along the way. That joy piece of like having fun. And what you said there is watching other people win is probably one of the most enjoyable things as you scale your organization and, and as a leader. Because yeah. when you look back to the early days of your business, you couldn't help enough people. You didn't have enough time. You didn't have enough time. You couldn't help enough people. And now to watch in our organization, we have these incredible people. I have amazing friendships there. And to watch what they're doing professionally, but also personally and how they're making an impact. I love watching you do your thing. I I love watching you do your thing. Like I eat that up. Yeah. I I went to Minneapolis. I just love, I just love you doing your thing, man. I I love being a part of this. This, I'm doing it now. Yeah. I love it. Because I get to be a part of you uh, winning. You know, and I, I I just, you know, I I just want to say, you know, thank you for coming. I mean, it's a a, a rare opportunity to get someone of your level to show up. And I know that sounds funny to you. (laughs) It does. Uh, Yeah, I know. And it would sound funny if someone said that to me, but I really mean that. Like, I mean, I know you haven't been home for four days. You land at the airport, you meet me and you, you, you come to iHeart and, and, uh, I sincerely appreciate you coming. I know that people will find huge yeah. value in Thanks, this. It's, it's real. It's like this is who dude. you are. Like this oh, is yeah. who you are. Like, this it's all like, you get. Yeah. This isn't smoke. <laughs> no, I don't even know how to do that really. So I need to be better. At so, it. you know, if you love, if you love this episode, make sure to share it on social media, leave a review. And, and when you leave a review, you know, five-star review, we would love to have that, but also leave some comments about what things you loved about this interview, because I think it'd be helpful for both Darren and I to, to learn from this interview because we're constant learners too. And then if there's anything we can do to improve, we'd love it. So thank you for tuning in to the Behind the Billboard. Don't forget to hit subscribe. Uh, and thanks for tuning in. And thank you, Darren, for being here. Thanks, bro. If you love this episode, give us a great review, subscribe, and share us socially so we can spread the word and build a community of difference makers. And if there's a leader who inspires you, send your suggestions for future guests to Chris's team at BehindTheBillboard.com so we can get better.